Release date, September 15th, 2023. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of the TBD College Football Podcast with your hosts, I'm Mason. I'm Joey. I'm Isaac. Welcome to Season 4, Episode 5. This episode is entitled Boring because this week in college football, Week 3, is incredibly boring. We've got like a couple good games, but it's not like, you know, another Texas-Alabama, Florida State-LSU matchup. It's like no top 25 team versus no top 25 teams. It's all unranked playing ranks. So it's going to be a pretty not as interesting week as next week. In week four, we have six top 25 matchups if the AP stays the way that it does. We're going to go ahead and start out with our first segment. That's right, Mason. We're going to start off with our favorite overrated, underrated. And believe it or not, ladies and gentlemen, instead of Notre Dame this week, it is Alabama. That is unexpected. Alabama did lose to number 11, Texas. Uh, You know, first home loss, and I think, what, since 2019? I mean, pretty good good bit of time. Um, So, I mean, questions for me is the quarterback position, which, you know, we we brought up in the last episode. Um, You know, is is Milrow, like, the guy to go to? And, you know, to be honest... It's really questionable right now, you know. In that game against Texas, he did not show out uh, how, you know, you expected an Alabama quarterback to show up. Um, But, you know, I think that Nick Saban is a smart guy. He's got the brains for it. He chose chose this guy for a reason. You know, he does have the legs for it. I definitely am going to say, though, that Alabama is overrated. Um, but I'm very intrigued to see if that quarterback position, you know, improves um, because I definitely think that Alabama could be a top tier team once they get the offense put together. Um, Isaac, what do you think? Well, Joey, that's a great observation. And honestly, I've got to say that I'm personally just shocked at the fact that Alabama has had two seasons now where they've kind of started off kind of slow. And this year obviously is due by and large to the quarterback position. Um 2019 was a great year, by the way, the last year they lost at home, but I digress. The quarterback position for me is the biggest question mark for Alabama. I'm going to say that right now, given how they played on Saturday, they are all, they are overrated. You know, they failed a 10th, which is very low for Bama, and I'm very intrigued to see how they turn it around. You know, they, they, they looked rough. I mean, they lost by double digits at home the first time that Saban's lost by double digits at home since, I think it was 2000 and. 2002, 2003, it was when he was at LSU. I know that. And so that's a long time for Saban. So 20 years of not losing a, a game by double digits at home is impressive. So they're overrated, but Nick Saban's a smart guy, and I think they'll figure it out. But the question is how and with who? This is Alabama's first loss at home since to LSU and Joe Burrow in 2019. I think our questions about Jalen Milrow and the Alabama secondary were answered, and that's what I wanted to bring up. I don't think that the quarterback position is the only questionable position right now. I think that O-line and that secondary is still pretty questionable. I made a call last week that I said, Alabama secondary better watch out because these Texas receivers are fast. Jatavion Sanders, Adonai Mitchell, and yes, Xavier Worthy was all over them all night so fast outrunning their corners and their safeties all night so it it's pretty obvious to me that they are still not fixed at that position and something else too that you know a lot of people were hyping up their o-line but milro got sacked like two or three times i think texas's defensive line was pretty underrated 
this week. Um, but for me, I have Alabama as underrated still. It's a top 11 matchup. Yes, it was at home, but yes, they're still struggling. Saban said that he didn't want to depend on the quarterback as much. Um, and to me, they didn't have to do that. Jalen did obviously make mistakes, but there was other positions that took over and you know really tried their best. Jermaine Burton, although he got a couple touchdowns taken away from him because of you know other penalties on the offense, he did make some good plays. You know, the running backs, McClellan, he made some big, big plays. He got the offense downfield. Yes, if they don't make some of those mistakes, Alabama makes it much closer and may even win this game, which is why I still have them underrated, which will pretty much move us into the next team we're going to talk about in Texas. Um, Texas got the dub against a top five team on the road. It's their first win against Bama since 1982, and it's their first time in the AP top 10 since 2010. And to me, guys, I think this settled the debate. If Quinn Ewers doesn't get hurt last year, they win that game in Austin. Quinn Ewers showed up. He showed out. Yes, they had a little bit of stall, you know, going for fourths and, you know, shorts early in the game, but they went into the half 13 to six, and they ended up winning this thing by 10. Obviously, I have Texas right now as underrated. And if we had any more space in the poll, I probably would have them within the top three. Yeah, I mean, Texas definitely is a solid team. I don't know about having them in the top three quite yet. You know, there's still some some questions to be had there. Um, you know, as you said, one of the one of the big concerns about Alabama is that offensive line. Like, they're already not a great offensive line. But within that game, was it Texas's you know defensive line or Alabama's lack of offensive line, and so on? Um, for me. At least as of right now in the AP rankings right now, I think Texas is right where they should be. Um, you know, their offense is very stellar. You know, there's still a little bit of, uh, you know, some things they need to fix up. Um, but I think that they're right where they need to be. So those are great points. And I do want to talk about just real quick before I get into it. Um, I would agree with Mason. And we all said this last week. The question became, if Queen Ewers didn't get hurt in Austin last year, what happened? And I, I would agree with that, that that question was answered this past week. However, I'll also say that Texas went in, obviously they went in Tuscaloosa. It's not easy to win. Bryant-Denny, the top stadium in the SEC, top stadium in the country. And they beat what I consider to be a kind of middle-of-the-road Alabama team so far. I mean, Jalen Milrow, Alabama secondary, again, did not look great. Um, Quinn Ewers looked really good. I've got to say, as far as overrated, underrated, I, I personally, I would say they're just a bit, just a bit, and this is simply because of the question marks of Alabama, I give them a little bit of an overrated, just because they're going from 11 to 4, and for me, number one, that's a big jump, uh, and number two, I understand who they beat, but it's also one of those things of, hey, Alabama doesn't quite have figured it out yet, so I would say that Texas, they look good, but they're a little bit overrated for me still, and it doesn't help the fact that they don't play another ranked team until the 1st of October, assuming Oklahoma stays in the polls, so we'll see. And kind of before we move on to the next team, another thing, a little bit of Clemson in me, um, you know, people saying, you know, is the Dabo dynasty over? Well, after this kind of loss, you know, guys, is the next Saban dynasty over? No, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. That will be TBD. <laughs> well, yeah, 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 there you go. There you go. But the Washington State Cougars beating Wisconsin Again, defense winning the game. Uh, Wisconsin coming back a little bit in that second half, but Washington State holding in, sticking strong. Um, you know, they're still, they were undefeated in this home and home, which is, you know, kind of amazing. You know, they had 
they had Gardner Minshew is the last like big name that everybody remembers. Um, and that that's pretty much it, at least that I can think of. Um, but for overrated, underrated, I don't know. I, I guess you would have to say they're... <sighs> no, I can't do it. I still got to say they're overrated, y'all. I mean, you got to put them up against some of these other top 25 teams other than Wisconsin, who has a record of just the past few years just not playing very well. They haven't been playing good football. Yes, they put out some great offensive linemen into the NFL. They put some great running backs into the NFL, but they're not in, they're not great in college football. Um, so even though they had a great win, I, I got them I got them overrated. Mason. So my two points about this team last week was the first one was yes, defenses win championships. I'm a defensive guy. That's why I picked Washington State, and I was right. It was close, but Washington State pulled out the dub because their defense was able to hold on. Number two, we asked a question, and this was a point. Would the AP drop Wisconsin out? They were number 19. Would they drop Wisconsin out if Washington State won this game? And we said probably because the AP is not messing around. Were we right? Absolutely we were right. AP is not messing around. Both teams that lost within 20 to 25 were out. Actually, nine, three teams, 19 to 25, Wisconsin losing to Washington State, Texas A&M, which we can talk about in a second, moving to Miami, and Tulane losing to Ole Miss, which they kept it close against Ole Miss, and Ole Miss scored in garbage time, so I'm really actually surprised that they got pushed out, uh, but it was to make room for the other teams that haven't, haven't had a loss yet. So, yes, we were absolutely correct about that. Um, as far as whether or not Washington State is overrated or underrated, I can't make a decision on that. I say they're right where they need to be. I think Washington State you know, played well on both sides of the ball. They threw well. They ran well. They played defense really well. So I got them as right where they need to be. Like a lot of these teams, it's super early season. I'm waiting to see what they're going to do here in the future, in the next couple weeks even. But right now, I got them right where they're supposed to be. So you mentioned, I want to piggyback on this just real quick from what Mason said. He mentioned that defense wins championships. And a point that I just want to make about this game is that Washington State gave up more yards than they had themselves. 368 versus 332. Not a huge discrepancy there, but it does lend itself to think, okay, there were some question marks there. And on top of that, you have to think about the fact that it's interesting they gave it less than 400 yards, which seems to be a rarity today. As far as overrated and underrated, first of all, Washington State looked pretty good. But I'm going to also agree with Mason. They're right where they should be. It's early season. They're not a – I mean, they are a Power 5 school, but they're not a, a top-tier program, so to say. And so I'll say, I'll say they're right where they should be. And uh, congratulations on going undefeated in the home-and-home. Home. So from that, we're going to move on to Wisconsin, who, you know, is the loser of this game between the two and, you know, the winless team of the home-and-home. Home. Um, so like we said, they dropped out of the AP poll. Um is that too much? You know, we like Mason said, we saw a few teams drop out of the the top twenty five. Some who ended up winning, <clears throat> Clemson, um, but, <laughs> but Wisconsin, you know, is out. Um, they were within the top twenty. Now they're out. Um, are they overrated? Are they underrated? Isaac, why don't you take this one? So this is a tough one because it's not like they were ranked in the top twelve, right? Now. We can say, well, they only give up 332 yards, which, by the way, is impressive in today's college football world, especially with a school like Washington State who tends to have an air raid offense. You know, you look back at Mike Leach there several years ago. All in all, they did lose to an unranked team, but even though it was a two-score game, it was still relatively close. Washington State's defense is what clinched it for them. 
I would have to say, given they lost to an unranked team, they were just inside the top 25, probably a little bit overrated. Wisconsin, you know, they, they are a, a what's the word I'm looking for, a, a renowned program. You know, everyone knows Wisconsin. You think about guys like Jonathan Taylor. So a couple of big names in the NFL now came from Wisconsin. So traditionally, past few years, they've kind of pushed out some good names. However, they haven't been a great program. I'm going to say they're just a bit overrated. They're out of the top 25, and we'll see if they can recover once they get back to Madison. Let me tell you something. Just really to obviously talk about Wisconsin losing and dropping out of the top 25 and kind of answering your question, Joey, is that too much? Here's something that's happening in college football that is different from every other college football before this year in the past probably 10 years. The SEC as a whole is not the best conference in college football this year. The other conferences are actually stepping it up. Right now it looks like you know, the ACC and the Pac-12 are two of the best conferences in college football. I mean, they're showing up and they're showing out. So what we're seeing is because there's so many more conferences now, even the Big 12, that looks so good, the AP has no choice but not to mess around. If you take a loss, you're out. Because there's so many other good teams in these great conferences now that haven't lost a game. They may have, you know, played a better team. I remember you asked me a question in the chat, right? Clemson won the game against Charleston Southern, but they sputtered early and went into the half 24 to 17 against, you know, a horrible opponent. By the same reasons uh, they lost to Duke, yeah. Two turnovers yes. leading to scores, yeah. Exactly. Which turns into them dropping out. And you say, well, how does UCLA deserve to be over them? Well, they beat Coastal by a good margin, and they beat San Diego State by a pretty good margin. A leader, two of the biggest teams in the Sun Belt and the Mountain West. So with that, it's like they are not going to play around. You have to win your games this year because every other conference is good. It's not just the SEC and then a drop-off and then the Big Ten and then another drop-off and then the Big 12, Pac-12, and ACC. It's really anybody's championship this year. Any conference's championship this year. So, I mean, that's why. Yes, it seems so that, like, wow, you can't believe 19, they lost you know such a close game to an unranked team on the road. They only lost by nine points. It doesn't matter. They took a loss, and that's all it takes now, if you, especially if you're that close to the bottom. Clemson won. They had a loss. They won, and they still got dropped, right? So, yes, this year is a winner-you're-out kind of year for the AP because so many of the conferences are actually good and playing great football now. Um, as far as Wisconsin, no. I would say that Wisconsin is not overrated. I say that they're still underrated. And here's why. They kept it close against that Washington State team. Washington State, like, it's it's not a, it's not a like easy place to play the fans still show up it's not the hardest you know stadium to play in it's not the you know even in the top 10 but it's still a hard place to play and those students show up and they did and they made it hard for Wisconsin and Wisconsin wasn't able to withstand but like you know uh Washington State I want to see where they go I want to see what they do in the next couple weeks do they you know make a run for the Big Ten still I want to see what happens so right now I still got Wisconsin underrated all right, moving on to kind of like what Mason brought up, you know, the SEC not being better than the ACC. Uh, Miami takes down Texas A&M. Um, so we're going to start off with Miami, guys. You know, last week I was saying, you know, the biggest thing about Miami is we saw improvement from them last year to this year in their first game. Um and, you know, that improvement showed even more against Texas A&M. Or was it a digression from Texas A&M? Uh, for me, I think Miami was definitely underrated. As you know, if you've been on our YouTube page, 
Uh, we have a YouTube short where I talked about the dark horse of the ACC in which I chose Miami. Um, so far, they're doing good, man. They're doing real good. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I think Miami is definitely underrated. Uh, and I'm going to go ahead and put my pick for uh, Texas A&M. Uh, I think they're overrated. I think they're overrated for the fact that it's Jimbo Fisher. I think that Jimbo Fisher, uh, his last good year, really was at Florida State. Um, you know, yeah, he had some good wins at Texas A&M, but his last good solid year was Florida State. And, you know, the only reason they've been ranked so high in these past few years is because his name and, you know, yeah, they have a good recruitment class, but they don't play well. Um, I would actually have to disagree with that. I would say that his last good year was 2020. And if you want to say, well, that doesn't count because it's an asterisk, that's fine. But I would say personally that I think Jimbo's last good year was in 2020. I mean, they made a run for the playoffs. They only had three losses. And some people were arguing that they should have been in over Notre Dame and Ohio State. Um, and I know you say only three losses, but don't forget that was the year that the SEC had to play every single team in the SEC, which was not good for a lot of people. <clears throat> um, <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm with you, though, Joey. I have Miami as underrated. I think that they looked really, really good. Obviously, look with all these teams, I want to see how they do down the road. But I do also have Texas A&M overrated. They're making the conference look horrible. Like, why? Come on. I mean, you call, you call yourself the Deep South because you're Texas and you belong here. You know, but like, show up, please. Or, you know, fire Jimbo, you know, either one. But please, stop making the conference so horrible. Yes, here's the thing. Miami, I mean, they lost to Middle Tennessee State last year. But that was last year. So with that said, Miami, they did give the dub against A&M. Not a great A&M team, but I would have to agree that they are still a tad bit underrated. I'm still on the dark horse trend with Joey. Now, a and I'm going to hammer them because they're an SEC school. They're overrated. Jimbo is. And I'll tell you this. Jimbo is fighting for a job. That's what I think. Now, A&M's boosters, and they're like, oh, this is the guy. But he's got, you know, he's had a couple of really good recruiting classes, namely the past two years. And they still went out there. And let's just be honest, they didn't play that well. A couple of, you know, they kind of fell apart late. And A&M's overrated. They're making the conference look bad. And um, although... Get, they may make LSU look good this year. I don't know. We'll see. But uh, A&M's overrated, and uh, yeah, that's what I got. And that will now take us into picking some of our biggest games this week, starting out. We're only doing five games this week because, like we said, this week is super boring. But we got some good ones, or the ones that we honestly think is the best. So we're going to start out with our game of the week. And like normal, Isaac, why don't you tell the folks, what's our game of the week? All right, folks, our game of the week is Pitt at West Virginia in the Backyard Brawl at 7.30 p.m. on Saturday night. Yes, sir. This is a game we are looking forward to. This game was crazy last year. We have a long... There's a long-standing history in this game. Pitt actually holds the all-time record 62-40. to 40. Like I said, this game was super close last year and ended up being one of the best games of the year. Going into like four minutes left in the fourth quarter, West Virginia's driving. It's a tie game. And uh, JT Daniels, he throws a perfect ball to his wide receiver, Ford Wheaton, which goes right through his hands, right off the top of his helmet, and right into a defender's hands, which let, which turned into a pick six. Uh, and they lost the game because of that. West Virginia, they are looking for some revenge, obviously. Uh, you know, coming off a loss to Penn State two weeks ago, but still looking okay. Uh, Pitt coming off a loss to Cincinnati, 
last week, uh, which is pretty crazy. So that Big 12 over ACC matchup. Uh, The ESPN FPI is Pittsburgh, 64%. The spread is pit by one. So not a lot of room for error here on this this, uh, spread pick. We'll see what happens. Isaac, you got the first pick. Who you got? So this is a tough one because, again, we have the FPI and the spread being pretty staunch on their differences. 64%, one-point spread. It's in Morgantown. I think the fans will show up. There's not much else to do in West Virginia. I mean, there's just not. Now, that said, this is a West Virginia team that didn't look terrible against Penn State You know, just two weeks ago. This is a tough one. Pitt, again, they did win last year. FPI likes them. I'm going with the Mountaineers. I think West Virginia is going to have the home field advantage, and I think they'll win the backyard brawl in 2023. Yeah, I couldn't disagree more. I think that, you know, Pittsburgh, you know, came off of a disappointing loss against Cincinnati, but West Virginia just hasn't been the same team as they were when they beat down on Clemson. And I think the Orange Bowl, was it not? Yeah, it was. Yeah, I turned that game off. I was very young. I was very frustrated. Uh, but yeah, I got Pittsburgh in this game. I think, you know, they're going to come back off of this disappointing loss. I just don't think, I think it's going to be a shootout, but I don't, I don't think West Virginia has as much of a defense as Pittsburgh has. Uh, and I think Pittsburgh sets up, steps up when it's most important, um, on the defensive end. Um, so yeah, I got Pittsburgh by, I don't know, field goal. All right. Yeah. I mean, that's a really good point. Uh, Pitts, Pitts offense. They can definitely keep up, but my question is, can their defense? They gave up so many points and so many yards to the run game and to the air raid against Cincinnati last week. Uh, The West Virginia offense looks good. If they can get it going early, uh, it could be over fast. So my pick here, I'm going with West Virginia. They got the home field advantage. I think the Mountaineers can definitely pull this one out. And uh, I obviously they're going to cover the spread, but I got them to go win by seven. Got them by a touchdown. I think it's a super close game again, but I think the Mountaineers get it done this time. All right, now we're going to move on to our big week three games, and there's not a lot of them, but they are the biggest ones in our opinion. Starting off, Isaac, what's our first game? So our first game is 14th-ranked LSU playing in Starkville, or Stark Vegas as some would call it, uh, against Mississippi State at 12 p.m. This one, this one will be a good one. I'm super excited about this one. Uh, it will be different. It'll be the first year without Mike Leach at head coach. It'll be an SEC game, a little bit emotional uh, in Starkville. Um, another revenge battle this game. So Mississippi State obviously looking for – they're looking to avenge last season. Uh, they gave the game up late in the second half last year, which I enjoyed because I was actually at that game in Baton Rouge, which LSU won 31-16. to uh, LSU obviously, they – they I don't know what they are right at this point. They, they got handled by Florida State. They – listen, they beat Grambling 72-10 to last week. But it's scrambling. Defense, I personally, I don't really trust it. Some people, uh, us included, obviously you're saying Mississippi State looks pretty good in the SEC West this year. Of course, they've got a new coach, same system. Traditionally, Mississippi State has been an air raid offense. And so my question becomes, can the LSU secondary hold up? I don't know. I hope so. But after what we saw against Florida State, I'm terrified. ESPN FPI has LSU at 68%. Tigers favored by 10. I've got the first pick on this one. So, man, I am I'm really torn because I don't want to pick against my guys. Mississippi State, it's in Starkville, home of the Cowbell, air raid offense, weak LSU secondary. 
State is a physical team on both sides of the ball. I've got the Tigers. I don't think they'll cover. I think they're they're favored by 10. I like them by 7. I think they'll squeak it out. I, I like them. I like them to win, but it will be a close game, and the defense will have to make adjustments, or they, they could get throttled, but I like the Tigers in this one. Yeah, I think this one's going to be a good game, man. No joke. I think this is going to be a good one in Starksville. But I'll say this, the the Mississippi State defense looked really good against Arizona last week. Uh, they forced two to three turnovers. If Jaden Daniels isn't locked in, we could see two to three interceptions in this game. Uh, but the counter to that, though, if the Mississippi State defense gets gassed, we could have a good game going into the fourth quarter. So they have to have that endurance to get through this game. Uh, the other thing about... Mississippi State is that their run game is super solid too. Jalen Wally, he's gonna their wide receiver that he's gonna give the LSU secondary some some big issues. So uh, the LSU red zone offense, this game it has to be solidified and locked in. They cannot miss opportunities on fourth and short at the goal line at any point in the game, like they did against Florida State. And here's my thing for LSU. Special teams, special teams, special teams, baby. You cannot have dropped and mumped punts. You cannot have blocked field goals. You cannot have blocked extra points. Everything you do in this game on special teams has got to be great. But could this be a repeat of FSU? Yes, it will be because I've got Mississippi State pulling this one out in Starksville this year. So many people have said that they are the dark horse in the West. I believe that they are. I think they're going to come out. They just looked good against Arizona, man. I don't know what it was. They looked confident. They looked good. They're playing for Mike Leach. And boy, I bet they're going to win this game in Starksville. The spread, oh, what was the spread? The spread is LSU by 10. Shoot, I got Mississippi State by 10. That's definitely an interesting way of uh, turning it around in a sense. Mississippi State is one of those teams who, you know, constantly gives LSU a hard time. And, you know, Mississippi State has been starting to put together a defense, which is very interesting because, you know, although, may rest in peace, Mike Leach never really was a very defensive guy. He was very offensive-minded, um, but, you know, they're very defensive. You know, they came out with one of the best cornerbacks in the draft, Emmanuel Forbes. Um, it's, very comp- it's very hard. It's very complicated to make this pick because of that FSU game. It's very hard to say, like, if Brian Kelly can really put up against, you know, one of those top-level teams, or at least mid-level. Um, I think... This game, I will go ahead and say Brian Kelly pulls it out uh, only because of Jaden Daniels. Um, I think he kind of had his his head knocked around in the FSU game, and he's kind of put it back on. He's a little straightened out now um, after that Grambling game. Um, so, yeah, I'm going to go LSU. And I'll answer your question, you know, about how why is Mississippi State's defense looking so good this year? Well, their brand-new head coach, Zach Arnett, was the defensive coordinator at Mississippi State. So now, obviously, there's a lot more impact and a lot more input into that defense from the head coaching position. So I think they're looking really good, which is, again, why I picked them. But we're going to move into our next game. This is South Carolina at number 1 Georgia at 3.30 p.m. This is the CBS game of the week. You know, CBS on SEC game of the week. I'm not looking forward to having to listen to Gary Danielson for four and a half hours, but it is what it is. 
Georgia does not look like their normal selves. They are slow early in games on offense and on defense. Uh, obviously, we have a brand, and these are kind of the excuses, if you will. But I mean, it's it's just the truth about what's happening. We got a brand new offensive coordinator. We have a brand new quarterback. A lot of our backs are hurt. A lot of our wide receivers are hurt, and a lot of our guys are just brand new. So they're still trying to figure out the scheme. Does Mike Bobo really have what it takes in this game against South Carolina and on games down the road? Well, I tell you what, we are about to find out. We sputter early in the in the in the first quarters of games, and then this year, and then all of a sudden we just break out. We scored thirty one points in the second quarter against Ball State. Uh, South Carolina, they're really trying to prove themselves after losing in Week One to UNC, and they're still s- slightly struggling against Furman last week. Uh, South Carolina, though, kind of like App State in a way. Not really, but kind of. They have the ability to upset a team they have no business beating at least one time a year, i.e. Tennessee and Clemson. This usually happens later in the season, though, but can it happen early? South Carolina did take number three Georgia to overtime in 2019, and they won between the hedges. Could we see this happen again, especially with Spencer Rattler at the helm? The ESPN FPI is Georgia 92%. The spread is Georgia by 27. So obviously the spread and the ESPN FPI are in 100% agreement here that Georgia is going to win. And I am right there with them. Yes, Georgia is going to win this game. But by 27, absolutely not. Our defense is nowhere near as good as it was last year. Our offense sputters early. If our offense sputters early, South Carolina could definitely take advantage of that. And they probably will lead early. But can they really stay in the whole game? Are they that deep? We're going to find out. This is definitely a game that's going to test them. I have Georgia winning this game by 13. So that's a bold pick. And I'm going to say to you, what I'm going to say to you is that I'm right there with you. I like the dogs. I think that Georgia wins this game. I would say by 21, I think they'll be just under the spread. You know, South Carolina is a team who, again, with all due respect, they do have the ability to be a team they have no business beating. However, they're a team who looked pretty subpar against UNC, who also struggled against App State, although App State gave them everything they had last week. Of course, and then South Carolina struggled against Furman. And let's just be honest, no SEC team should really struggle against a team like Furman. No disrespect. So with that said, I got the dogs in this one. It'll be a good weekend in Athens. Now, I first off have to say, do not disrespect my FCS opponents. Furman, they are number six, or were number six in the FCS Speaking of, Western Carolina took down the number seven Samford. Let's go. Um, <laughs> um, but anyways, um, you're right. Go Cats, South- baby! But like you were saying, you know, a team like South Carolina, uh, supposedly in one of the best conferences in the uh, in college football and the SEC, as, even though we've already stated right now, they're not. Um, they shouldn't be struggling against a Furman team. Um, Georgia, on the other hand, like we've said, struggling in the first quarter, but then they figure it out all of a sudden once, you know, the clock hits 15 for the second time. Uh, definitely got Georgia in this game. Uh, I don't think it's going to be a repeat of, you know, when the hedges got torn apart. Um, (laughs) uh, I don't think 27 is very reasonable though. I think it's going to be anywhere between the 17 to 21 range, uh, only because, you know, currently... Just 27 seems to be too big of a score. It's more of one of those D2 teams going against a D1 team that you see over 27 points. Or it's just a matchup that has no right of being put together. Uh, so, yeah, I got Georgia. And I will just say with Georgia and that, and that spread, 
I wouldn't be surprised if Georgia covered, but not because Georgia played well, because South Carolina did not play well. <laughs> and I think a lot of this spread is based on last year, too, because we won so big last year. But, I mean, we had so much talent last year. And not to say we don't have talent this year, but I feel like this is one of those development years. Like We still could go win it all because head coach Kirby Smart is head coach Kirby Smart. But at the same time, like South Carolina will have to play the best game if they want to, even if they want to get it close. But yeah, the spread is the spread. Moving on to our next game. Yeah, our next game is number eight, Washington versus Michigan State at Michigan State at 5 p.m. Uh, I'm going to be completely honest with you guys. I didn't think this was going to be a close matchup uh, before I did my research. You know, Washington, they blew out Michigan State uh, last year. Um, it was 39 to 28. I can look in the notes. Uh, but real quick, I, I, I want to put in some notes real quick. First of all, Mel Tucker is out as co- head coach due to some, you know, harassment allegations, um, which is good. You know, when, when things are going on in your program like that, you don't want any kind of bit of that. Um, and of course, we hope the allegations are false. But if the allegations are not false, we are glad that Michigan State is taking the proper precautions and taking this seriously. Yeah, and with you know Mel Tucker being out as head coach, you have the former Florida State defensive coordinator Harlan Barnett uh, as the interim head coach uh, for Michigan State, at least for the remainder of this season or as we see fit. Uh, but for some notes real quick, uh, you know, Michigan State hasn't really faced that great of opponents. And, you know, now looking at it, Washington hasn't either. Um, you know, we know about Michael Penix Jr., but who is on Michigan State? So we we have this guy named Noah Kim at, uh, at quarterback, whose quarterback rating is only 59.4. That's 64th in the league. That's awful. Uh, <laughs> just saying. Uh, but there are two guys, and a whole squad, honestly, that could change the outlook of this game. So you got Nathan Carter uh, at running back for Michigan State. He is absolutely phenomenal. He's already over 200 yards for this season um, within just two games, 6.1 yards per carry. That's, if you don't know, that's good. That's really good. Um, And then, you know, of course, you have the phenomenal catch against Central Michigan. Uh, You have Jerron Glover. You got Antonio Gates Jr. All these young wideouts um, at Michigan State. Also, Michigan State's defense is actually better than Washington's defense. Washington's defense only has three, uh, three sacks within two game, these past two games. So, meanwhile, Michigan State has 10. And I know, I know, it's like, oh, whatever. The FBI is Washington at 66%. With the spread, Washington at uh, minus 16 Isaac, I'm going to let you go ahead and take this pick. I hope my information was a little helpful for you. <laughs> It was, Joey, because I honestly, I was looking at this game, and I was like, yeah, Washington for sure. So Michigan State, I think there's a lot going on with that program. Obviously, like we talked about with, with Coach Tucker and all the all the allegations and whatnot. It's in East Lansing. You know, they do have a running back who could make a big difference. Washington is not really a defensive team, not unlike the rest of the Pac-12. With that in mind, FPI is Washington at 66%. The spread, Vegas has Washington by 16. I like the Huskies in this one. I think I think they'll cover, just barely. I like the Huskies by 17. They're going to go to East Lansing and get the win. 
And I think that is strictly because of the turnover. There's a lot of things going on with Michigan State. I could be completely wrong. I, I, Michigan State could turn around and say, hey, we're going to play. We're going to play for the pride of the program with all this going on. But I just I just don't see it. Michael Penix Jr. looks really good. Washington, I like the Huskies. I think I think that's fair. You know, I think that, you know, a lot of teams that have, you know, these big controversies tend to struggle. I mean, one team that, you know, everybody knows about is Penn State. You know, they they had a pretty big downfall for a second there. Now we're with Washington, Michigan State here. Will they pull through and fight for the win? Or will they crumble? I think that this is going to be a close game, closer than what people want, and closer what they expect. I still got Washington in this game. I only got it by a field goal, though. There's one guy on the defense at Michigan State that I really want y'all to listen out for. It's Cal Halliday, linebacker. He's leading the team in interceptions and sacks. So just keep an eye out for him. He could change the game and make Michigan State actually win this game, but I got Washington. Yeah, after all that information you gave, that makes it really hard to pick now. <laughs> uh, obviously, Washington is pretty on fire. Uh, I mean, they obviously coming off two wins, uh, one against Boise State and then one against Tulsa last week, who's known to be a pretty big opponent in the in the uh, group of five. But the Michigan Michigan State right now is still trying to find their identity, especially after losing you know some of the biggest players they've had in the last couple of years um, to the NFL. And the Mel Tucker situation definitely does not help. Could this sudden drama suddenly hurt the players? Like, how do they keep their minds right leading up to this game? Right, like you're like one minute you have a head coach, the next minute your head coach is out because of some allegations. It's like how do you keep your mind right? How do you how do you take that out? How do you focus? How do you deal within one week of playing one game and then the next? like having to do with a whole new interim coach and a whole situation with that right I mean because of that does Washington come in like taking care of business by even more this time no Michigan State is going to win this game they're going to pull it together and I think that they're going to be the ones to win this by three I really am not confident in that pick but I think with all the I think with everything going on I mean Washington did struggle a little bit with Boise State in week one don't get me wrong Boise State is a tough opponent I mean, look at the UCF game, which, by the way, I was right about that game. UCF only won by two. It was closer than we thought, and they did win. I was also right about the Oregon game, but that's besides the point. He was. I definitely think that— My game was closer, though. It was. It was. I definitely think that with, you know, this defensive-minded interim head coach uh, running the helm, um, and, you know, they're already, you know, strong defense as of right now. I think those com- can combine to be very useful and very helpful. Um, or it can, you know, turn out to be very bad, you know, because they're changing a whole different to a whole different system. So we'll just have to see. But either way, that is my pick. Now we're going to move on to our final game. All right, folks, our final game of week three is 11th ranked Tennessee in Gainesville, playing the Gators in Florida at the Swamp at 7 p.m. Now, this game, I personally am really excited about. It's a big SEC East matchup. Another rematch of a game that was a nail-biter last year. Probably shouldn't have been, given the offense Tennessee had, but nonetheless, it was. Tennessee scraped by 38-33. to 30, Now, Tennessee, they, they look rough so far. They didn't look great in Week 1. And then week two, they played against Austin P, and they went into halftime up by seven. Score was thirteen to six. Eventually, they put it together and ended up winning thirty to thirteen. 
but still not good. They gave up 339 yards to a team who, honestly, they should have given up probably like 252. Um, I mean, because who even is Austin P? right? Now, Tennessee's offense, Josh Josh Heifel. They're the they, team that gave uh, – uh, gave a gave a lot of teams a run in the March Madness c- tournament, but that's besides the point. Joey, this is football. I was about to say the same thing, a different sport, but I'm just saying I know the team. <laughs> nonetheless, defense looks better, but Florida may test the secondary. Question for Florida obviously becomes: Did they fix it? You know they they've looked really rough so far. They started the season in Salt Lake City, where they lost to Utah. And mind you, to Utah's backup quarterback. So the question becomes, did the Florida fix it against McNeese State or does Tennessee come in and do what they did last year and that is just uh, play play offense to the best of their ability and hope that they hang on without a defense. Tennessee, is uh, FPI has Tennessee by 54%. The spread has Tennessee at 6.5. This is a battle of ugly orange and ugly blue. Joe, you got the first pick. Who you got? I think they're both ugly. Um, you know, it's in the swamp, man. And I I really have to be honest here. Tennessee did struggle a little bit during Virginia, uh, during that beginning portion. Um, you know, their offense just couldn't get it together. There were a lot of overthrows. There were a lot of drops. Um, so there's, there's concern there. Um, Tennessee also not very commonly having a defense, (laughs) Um, you know, hence why they lost a few games last season uh, against South Carolina specifically. Um, and then there's Florida. I don't think there's much to say. You know, Florida is just a big question mark. It shouldn't even be a Gator as their mascot. It should be just a question mark because I don't know what's happening there, man. It's just, it's like they're good, but they're bad. And they have it figured out, but they don't. And, you know... So both teams are just confusing, and one's 11th somehow. Um, really, it's hard to say, but it's, it's, it's in the swamp. I have to do this out of respect for myself uh, and the color orange. I have to go for Florida. I'm going to go ahead and pick Florida in the swamp for the upset. Um, I don't think it's actually going to happen, but I have to pick it. Um <laughs> So yeah, I'm I'm gonna go ahead and say Gators by by you know what I'll say by like a field goal to a point. I think that Tennessee can't hold up on defense, but I don't think Florida can hold up on defense either. That's that's gonna be the common issue in this game. So it sounds like you're gonna see this game a lot more like Alabama Tennessee last year, right? No secondary, no really big defensive line, just constant air raid um let me tell you something though uh to me it feels like tennessee has not lived up to the hype so far i mean they came out of sec media days and out of fall camp like they were just gonna be the team to beat in the sec east and they have looked terrible against teams like austin p and virginia uh i mean they should have put up 60 against both of those teams joe milton he's already been disappointing uh florida though they've already taken a loss like you said uh to a resilient utah team that's i mean right now florida really has nothing to lose uh the swamp is one of the hardest places to play in college football i would say that like you said though florida's weak point definitely their defense but graham mertz he can throw the ball and if tennessee's secondary if they didn't fix that from last year 
they're going to have some issues because Florida does, if they have one thing that's not confusing, they have a quarterback who has an arm and they have receivers who can catch. I was talking to one of my friends who's a Tennessee fan uh, before the season even started, and he said, you know, if Joe Milton can be as even just nearly as good as Hendon Hooker, I think we'll be okay. Well, guess what? They're not. This is not going to be close. Florida's going to win this one by 17. Florida is going to win this game. I got Florida to win this game. I got Florida to way cover, and I think I think I mean I think the spread in the FPI are saying it's going to be close, and I got Florida by seventeen. So real quick before we get to Isaac's pick, a Hendon Hooker and Joe Milton, they're actually two different quarterbacks. A lot of people say you know Joe Milton can run it. No, he can't. He's a he's a standard pocket passer. Yes, he can run, but he's not going to. He's got he's got a cannon. But is he? Does he have an accurate cannon? No, he's like Dewey, DJ Uyagalale. He's got this ex, extravagant arm, but he just can't hit the targets when it matters. Uh, and then on the Florida side, you got Trevor Etienne, not Travis Etienne. Trevor Etienne. That's going to be a target to look out for. That's another reason why I got Florida. But go ahead, Isaac. So you guys made it hard, and you made it easy. Because I forgot that Florida had Trevor Etienne for just a moment. So here's the thing. Tennessee, Mason mentioned that Tennessee came out of SEC Media Day and were like, hey, we're the guys. Like, But what's new? I mean, Tennessee thinks their orange is the best thing since sliced bread, and they take down goalposts and put it in the river. Um, listen, and by the way, we're all happy you beat Bama. Good luck next time. Okay, all that said. It's going to be a really good game. The Swamp is a tough place to play. As long as no shoes are thrown, this one will be competitive. This is tough because Joe Milton, like we've said, did not look great so far. Florida is just up in the air. It's Napier's second year in the in the SEC. Hasn't quite figured it out yet. He's kind of just flirting with the line. This one is a really, really tough one. Man. It really could go either way. And I, I, I asked the guys earlier, I said, can it be a double loss, please? I don't want either of these guys to win. But I have to pick somebody, and I'm going to go with the Gators by a field goal. I don't think Florida covers, but I think I think Florida will hang on. In the Swamp, it's a Saturday night game. It's a 7 o'clock kickoff. If this was a 3 p.m. or noon game, I wouldn't feel the same way. But it's a 7 p.m. game in the Swamp. This game is going to be really, really good. I think Florida hangs on simply because of the question marks that Tennessee has on defense. I'm not super confident, but I think the Gators get it done. That's a TBD triple pick. Mason, take us out. Ladies and gentlemen, this just in. This is the first TBD triple pick upset. I actually don't know that it is, but it, it, it I think it is. Be. I don't it think we've be. ever picked yeah. an upset all three. At least not, not three of us. Maybe two yeah. of us, but I don't think all three of us have picked an upset. And I'll say this. I had planned to pick Florida before we even started. So, I mean, and I can prove it because it's on my iPad right here. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, so, yeah, Joey, like, stole my pick. And I was like, there's no way he just picked Florida. And then we all picked Florida. So, there it is. I mean, I hope Florida wins because especially being in the East <laughs> uh, as a Georgia fan. 
But uh, yeah, uh, as Isaac mentioned, I will take us out. Guys, uh, thank you so much for listening to this podcast. Uh, we're we're going to tell you something new that we're doing. Uh, we are starting TBD prayer requests. So we have a Google form on our Instagram. If you would go over there and fill that out, if you have anything you want us to pray for about, it can be anonymous. Uh, it can be about something that you need, somebody that somebody in your family needs, one of your friends. But if you have needs and you want us to pray about them, please, we love you guys. And we do pray for you guys. We literally pray for everybody that comes to our podcast. And it's because we want you to know that we care about you and that Jesus cares about you and that he loves you so with that being said joey and always remember no matter what team you pull for if you're on god's side you're always on the winning team the bible tells us in john 3 16 that god sent his only son that whoever shall believe in him shall not perish but have everlasting life guys jesus literally loves you like jesus loves you jesus loves you jesus loves you three different ways to say that three different meanings the god of the universe who created you wants to have a personal relationship. And if you don't have that, you need it. It has completely changed and revolutionized our lives. There is nothing that I could do to earn my salvation. There's no amount of works. There's no amount of holding doors open for people, no amount of good deeds. It's only the saving work of Christ and the blood that was spilled on the cross for our sins. Guys, if you don't have that, I promise you need it. And it's not me trying to tell you what to do. There's just nothing better in this world than Jesus and his love for me. And we all believe that. We want you to know that. And if you need, if you have any questions, if you have any prayers, if you, like anything, hit us up, please. Hit us up on our Instagram DMs. Shoot, like, shoot us a message on Facebook. Like, oh my gosh, leave a comment on this YouTube video, okay? Like, we love you guys. We're praying for you. And thank you so much for watching this episode. Hopefully, it's not a boring, a super boring weekend. Maybe it'll turn out to be a little bit more fun in the college football realm. But next week, come back because we're going to be talking about some of the biggest games this year. Bye-bye. Later.